Today's scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all eight were filled, and they took up what was left over the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Gabriel, for reading our scripture this morning. Good morning on this beautiful fall day. My name is Emily. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're wrapping up a sermon series today on miracles. And there's an old story in my family about a miracle. I want to tell you today that story. It was one of my relatives, uh, when he was much younger and was in school, he had a class that was really hard and a test that was coming up and he studied and worked hard, but he still felt inadequate. It was such a hard class. And so before he got on the school bus that morning, he said, Mom, please, please, please pray for me at 10 o'clock today. That's when my test is. So she said she would. Off he went to school, off she went to work. At the end of the day, she comes home, and then he gets off the school bus, and he is in a surprisingly good mood. And don't you know, she had prayed for him all day long. She had prayed for him at 10 o'clock, and 11 o'clock, and 12 o'clock, and 1 o'clock. And then he was in that such a good mood. When he got home, he grabbed a snack, he's running out the door, and she said, wait, wait a minute. How did the test go? And he said, oh, that you didn't need to pray after all. I aced it. It was so easy. And he ran out the door. And she thought, isn't it funny how we tend to take credit for God at work? And she knew her son's grades. The fact that he had aced that test was a miracle, and God had helped him a whole lot. And so even though he didn't recognize it, (laughs) she said, thank you, God. Today we have a story that is uh, one of the oldest ones of miracles. It's a story that is told in all four Gospels. It is told then probably more than many others in the New Testament. And it's a story to which we respond in gratitude and faith. Would you pray with me? God of grace and God of mercy, we come before you today offering you our hands and feet, offering you ourselves, 
Lord, we pray that you would help us step into this scripture. That you would help us to walk around inside it and learn what you would have us learn. And Lord, may the words of our mouths, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock, our refuge, our savior, and our redeemer. And it is in your name that we pray. As all of God's people say, amen. Today's story is a big deal. It is such a big deal that it is the only miracle story that is found in all four Gospels. It is in Matthew, it is in Mark, it is in Luke, it is in John, told in slightly different versions. What makes this story a big deal? For that, you'll need to stay tuned. But if you have your Bibles with you or your Bible app, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, as our story begins. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. Then we need to stop, right? Because what is it that Jesus had heard that made him want to withdraw from everyone? So to figure that out, we have to look at the context. At the beginning of chapter 14, John the Baptist is in prison. Who is he? John the Baptist is a prophet who was said to prepare the way for Christ's coming. In other words, to till the ground of our hearts to make them ready for Christ to be among us. He's also the person who baptized Jesus in chapter 3 of Matthew. The two of them had a special connection. And as this chapter begins, John is in prison. Why? Well, it's a long story, but mostly because the ruler of Galilee at that time was afraid of John's popularity. And he was having a big birthday party then. And the daughter of his wife said that she wanted at that birthday party the head of John the Baptist. And it was given to her. John was killed. His disciples buried the body. And then they went to tell Jesus about it. And that's when our story starts. Now when Jesus heard this. That someone very special to him had been executed. It prompts Jesus to take some time alone. Because someone he loved had died. So side note here. Jesus models self-care for us. It's a good thing to unplug. When we experience something difficult. When someone we love dies, it is a good and holy and biblical thing to take care of yourself and rest when you need to. Jesus did. After that time away, Jesus reengages fully in the mission. Our story rolls on. He comes ashore. There's a big crowd waiting for him. And scripture says Jesus has compassion on them and starts to heal them one by one. And as he works among the people in that crowd, the hours go by. The day grows later. And the disciples of Jesus come to him and say, it's late. We're in the middle of nowhere. And these people need to eat. So send them away to the villages where they can get some food. It's a great plan, isn't it? 
Send these people away. We can't feed them. Scripture says there are about 5,000 people in the crowd. That's only counting the men. Scholars say if those folks had families with them, we're talking about 20,000 people. Regardless, it's a lot of people who need to eat, and they are in the middle of nowhere, and it's late. But Jesus tells the disciples, the people don't need to leave. (laughs) You give them something to eat. And suddenly this becomes a teachable moment that no one forgets, a moment that is told and retold so much that it ends up in all four Gospels. So if the disciples are responsible for feeding these people, they take stock of what they have. They have bread, five loaves. They have fish, two. (laughs) And a massive amount of people to feed. I wonder what the looks were on the disciples' faces when they realized this. What were they saying under their breath? Do you know this feeling of being overwhelmed or feeling inadequate when you don't know how things are ever going to possibly work out and you want to give up and you think Jesus has lost his ever-loving mind? The math does not work. You see the need and what little you have to give. It cannot be done. It is not enough. Five loaves of bread and two fish do not divide among thousands of people. But Jesus does not seem concerned. He continues calmly and says, bring what you have to me. He tells the massive amount of people to sit down in the grass. And they do. And they wait. And he takes what little they have brought to him. He blesses it, breaks it, and gives it back to the disciples. And tells the disciples to give that food to the massive crowd. Interesting, right? Jesus isn't the one who is walking around sharing the bread. He blesses it. And the disciples then are the hands and feet that do the work of what Jesus has made possible. What happens then? All in that massive crowd eat. All in that massive crowd are fed. So full they are that there are leftovers from not enough to more than enough. It's a miracle that the disciples give unselfishly what little they have to Jesus and don't keep it for themselves. It's a miracle that a meager amount blessed by Jesus can bless so many. It's a miracle that a crowd that big follows directions. And they all sit down and share and don't demand special treatment or more than someone else or give me mine and let those I think are less worthy fend for themselves. They don't make it about themselves. They share together and all are fed and none go hungry. It is some of the best of what community can be. And it's a miracle. Why is this story a big deal? If we take it seriously, it shows us two crucial things. Number one, what disciples look like. And number two, what the kingdom of God looks like. What does a disciple look like? Disciples are engaged in what Jesus is about in the world. Disciples give what we have to Jesus and whatever we give to Jesus becomes much more in his hands. It's that simple. 
What do we have to give? Some days it might not look like much. 20 minutes? $20? Five loaves? Two fish? Willing hands and hearts and feet and more. God will take whatever we offer and bless it. We only have to bring it and let go. What does the kingdom of God look like? In this story, it looks like disciples moving around in the community, sharing the food and love of Jesus, being the hands and feet of Christ with all who were there, not some, but all. In today's story, Jesus isn't the one sharing the bread and the fish. He simply multiplies it. The disciples are the ones who walk around and share it. Jesus tells us to get out there and be with people too. Leaving no one out. Sharing what he has given us to share. This is the kingdom of God. And it reminds me of a poem from St. Teresa of Avila, written back in the 1500s. She was one of the early mothers of the church. And I want to share it with you. She wrote, Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion to the world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now but yours. Disciples put skin on what Jesus is about in the world and share it with all in the community. And that is a miracle. And as a pastor, I could share with you so many stories about the times we have looked at each other and said, loaves and the fishes. And you don't know how something is going to work out, and it does. And after the first service this morning, people kept telling me about stories in their own lives when they had no way that something was going to work out, and somehow God made it happen. Loaves and the fishes. I want to tell you a couple of those stories this morning. One of those comes from a church I served years ago, and there was a young man, and I was meeting with him one day. He just started coming to the church uh, back then. He'd only been a few times, and he came and talked with me one day and told me that his mom was in the last stages of cancer, and he'd just lost his dad and his best friend the year before. And he said to me, I feel forgotten and abandoned. I feel like God's forgotten all about me and I don't see Jesus anywhere. And we talked and prayed together and I started to say something to a few people in the church. And the people in that church felt overwhelmed by the suffering of this young man. They felt overwhelmed and inadequate to do anything to make a difference in his life and all that he was going through. But they felt like Jesus was telling them to just start. Bring what you have. Give what you have. 20 minutes, $20, five loaves, two fish, willing hands and heart and feet and more. And offer that again and again. And so they did. They started. 
One family uh, made an extra casserole and dropped it off. Another made a pot of soup and soup and dropped it by. Another person offered to cut his grass for several weeks so he could spend more time with his mom. Somebody else came by and walked his dog for him so he could spend more time with his mom. Somebody else in the church found out what his mom's favorite flowers were and dropped off a new bouquet every week. Another small group found out their address and sent cards almost every day. Another small group found their phone number and then they called and sent texts almost every day to see how things were going. And another person found out that his mom loved the Red Sox. And so whenever there was a game, they'd show up and watch the game and uh, talk about it with her. That's the church showing up and bringing what little we have and making a difference in someone else's life. We get engaged in what Jesus is about and become his hands and feet in the community and offer what little we have and together it makes a difference. It was a miracle. What a difference it made. What happened? That young man met with me after his mom died and he was in tears and he was smiling. Talking about how sure he was of Christ's presence with him in the hardest time in his life. Through the members of that church, he said he knew Christ was with him enough and overflowing, going from not seeing Jesus anywhere to seeing Jesus everywhere. They shared their loaves and fishes with family. I could tell you about another church I served in the past where we had a food pantry every month. We served hundreds of people, people who lived below the poverty level, people who were in very vulnerable positions in their lives. And every month we wondered how we were going to do it again. I cannot emphasize that enough. Every month we wondered how will we do this one more time. And every month we thought we didn't have enough. And every month we had more and leftovers. The loaves and the fishes, right? We bring what we have. And in the hands of Jesus, it turns into so much more. And he gives it right back to us. And we share it with those around us. What do we have to give? $20, 20 minutes, five loaves, two fish. And willing hearts and hands and feet and more. Here's a challenge to us as a church then. We have things that might make us feel overwhelmed or inadequate. There have been challenges uh, financially, challenges also in the denomination, challenges now after COVID. And oh my goodness, we shared the biggest challenge of all earlier this year. The Recent census data told us that there are about 165,000 people who call Stafford County home. And that census data also told us that there are about 73% of those people who are not connected to a church. For whatever reason, maybe they had a bad experience or were hurt by a church or weren't interested in it to begin with. And if you say 73% of about 165,000 people, that's about 120,000 people. And then we are called to share the love of God with every person in this community. To get outside these walls and live out God's love with everyone and not leave anybody out. 
But how in the world do we do something like that? We have fewer than a thousand people in worship. And what is a thousand people to a hundred and twenty thousand in the community? The math doesn't work right. We might think Jesus has lost his ever loving mind. (laughs) That's usually good when we think that happens. Because it means that Jesus is inviting us to get involved. And be the hands and feet of Christ in this community and live it out. Even if we don't divide thousands of ways. Jesus can take whatever we bring and offer us so much more. With such a big task like that, Jesus is not concerned, right? That's what we learn in this big deal of a story that Jesus is not worried about it it is not too much for him we might feel inadequate to live out faith to live out God's love to share it every day in this community and connect more and more people with the love and grace of Christ but this story tells us that what looks like inadequacy becomes ministry that is more than enough In Jesus' hands. Whether it's a test in school. Or walking through grief. Or thousands of hungry people on a hillside. Or thousands of people in a county. When the needs are great and resources are small, we give whatever we have to God. When the needs are great and our schedule is full, we still give whatever we have to God. When the needs are great and we do not see how it can be done, the story tells us we give whatever we have to God. And when we wonder how in the world Jesus could call us to take God's love and grace and share it outside these walls with some 120,000 people, we give whatever we have to God we just start somewhere and Jesus has bottomless resources to make whatever we give more what do we have 20 minutes 20 dollars 5 loaves 2 fish 50 minutes 50 dollars 10 loaves 8 fish we give whatever we have to God with willing hands and hearts and feet in fact I want you to hold your hands out in front of you and look at your feet if you can see them what can God do with your hands Jesus is telling us to share his love with a community that needs it. People who need to know that they are loved by the God who made them. How in the world can we help do that? A casserole? Cutting somebody's grass? Walking somebody's dog? Watching a ball game with them? bringing 10 cans of food for a food pantry what can and will God do with us
and with our hands and with our feet to feed a multitude from the small places where we start. Use us, God, wherever we are, whatever we can do, whatever we have, for all that you are already about in this world. If you go to the church website, too, you'll see this button that says serve. You can click on that find a lot of suggestions for how we can all get involved and live out God's love in this community and not leave anybody out so that all are fed and there are leftovers I'm ready to get to work are you I'm ready to get to work are you will you join me and sharing God's love with the community. Oh, how it would feed them. And so much more. Amen. And amen this day. <laughs>